Welcome to the Spring Podcast. I'm Pastor Laura Blevins, inviting you to enjoy this week's message from the First United Methodist Church of Excelsior Springs. Thank you for coming to the waters for uplifting music, rejuvenation, and inspiration. Thank you for coming to the spring. Good morning, everyone. Um, welcome to the spring. My name is Roger. I'm one of the worship leaders here, and I just wanted to welcome you this morning. Also, um, I wanted to point out in your bulletin, there's an attendance sheet. If you could fill that out with any information you're comfortable sharing, it just helps you get connected and helps us know who was here this morning. Would you stand and join us as we go into song? Stronger, your love awakens, 
up on better days, memories we can't erase, lay it all down, lay it all down, we've come to fear what we can't explain, there's nothing here that can ease the pain, lay it all down.
Don't they do a great job? They're just fabulous, aren't they? And in case you don't know their names, I think we should do this more, but that's Roger, and he introduced himself in the beginning, and you all know Angel and Addie, right? So we're so glad that you all are here with us. Um, oh my gosh, yeah, Jason, I always forget about you, man. <sighs> Sorry. And you guys know Brian, but there's Jason back there, too. Um, he's actually the most important one, because you wouldn't be able to hear anything without him. So... Um, so we're reading uh, scripture today, um, 2 Chronicles chapter 34, verses 1 through 3, and then 8, if you want to follow with me on the screen, or on your tablets, or in your Bible, whatever you would like to do today. Josiah was eight years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem 31 years. He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, and followed the ways of his father David, not turning aside to the right or to the left. In the eighth, eighth year of his reign, while he was still young, he began to seek the God of his father David. In his twelfth year, he began to purge Judah and Jerusalem of high places, Azareth, poles, and idols. In the eighteenth year of Josiah's reign, to purify the land and the temple, he sent Saphon, son of Azliah, and Messiah, seriously, these names this morning, the ruler of the city, <laughs> with Joah, son of Joaz, the recorder to prepare the temple of the Lord his God. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Will you pray with me? Good and gracious God, as you have poured out your Holy Spirit on us gathered here, Lord, we ask that you bless the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts to be acceptable in your sight. O oh Lord, our strength, our rock, and our redeemer. Amen. So sorry for my voice this morning. I got my kids cold that they had last week. Um, they're totally fine now. But uh, Jeremy and I don't feel so hot this week, so um, I will not be serving you all communion. I will bless it, and then uh, Marty and others are going to do that this morning. But um, I wanted to continue today in our series about messy relationships and families and things. And I want you to know that we're kind of talking about a um, sensitive subject today. And I want you to know I'm not talking about any of your families because none of your families are dysfunctional. Is that right? Right? Kind of that weird laugh, and you're like, ha, ha, oh, God, don't point me out, right? Okay, so I put your toes under the pews. I'm not talking about you at all. In general, if there was a dysfunctional family, that's who we're talking about today. But I'm glad you're all here, because I'm going to solve all of your family dysfunctional problems. Isn't that awesome? Aren't you glad that I came today to do this for you? I mean, for other people that you know, you'll just pass along the message, right? Okay, so um, we're going to talk about uh, dysfunctional families and just kind of how that works. And we're going to tie it in with um, Josiah because it, it doesn't really explain here in this scripture what Josiah had gone through. You sort of need to read what was before um, him to kind of understand it. But a dysfunctional family is there are signs of any dysfunctional family. Are you ready for me to tell you what these signs are? I learned this in pastoral care, and then after that I was told that I am not able to diagnose anything, which is very true. So I can tell you what the signs are, but I can't diagnose you, okay? That's important for you to know this, because I am not a psychologist or a psychiatrist or any of those. So um, dysfunctional families, they, they lack some things. First of all, they lack empathy. Um, maybe you know families like that, that um, they don't seem to... 
um, care of somebody's suffering. Um, they have poor communication. That's a sign of a dysfunctional family. Um, there's emotional or physical abuse in that family. Um, there's drug or alcohol abuse. Uh, there's perfectionism on the other side of that, right? That you demand perfectionism. Um, there, you can see that there's a lot of fear and unpredictability in uh, dysfunctional families. There's denial that they're dysfunctional, okay? Um, there's disrespect of boundaries, right? Okay. Um, there's control. And even dysfunctional families who have excessive criticism, okay? So these are some signs of sort of dysfunctional families. And I want you to kind of get that, get your brain wrapped around this as we're talking about this today and then relating it to this scripture. Um, one of the things that I have learned is about family systems theory. Um, has anyone here studied family systems theory or know what it is? Okay, so Kelly, if I'm wrong, don't correct me. We can chat after, right? Because I'm right about everything I say. She's learned that, right? You have to agree with me. Okay, good. Um, so family systems theory, it's, I'm totally kidding, right? Okay, you guys get that I'm kidding, even though I have a cold. Um, so family systems theory, um, it's like, it basically shows how each family member represents a certain role within the family, right? And they do these things. And, and sometimes when you see like sort of these dysfunctional families that, that go generation over generation, and the person who was like in charge and the matriarch sort of dies, somebody or the patriarch, somebody else rises up and becomes like that person, right? And this is family systems theory that it's relational and this is how we survive. And um, we need that emotional stability in our lives because we're emotional beings. Now, when you have a dysfunctional family system, um, that's when it becomes difficult to sort of move past these things that are old. Maybe, maybe in your mind you, you thought as a younger person, I am never going to do this like my parents or grandparents, anybody, right? And then all of a sudden, like you're in this moment and you're mad at your kid or whatever and you're yelling at them and out pops your mom, right? And you're like, oh my gosh. I said I was never going to do that, right? It's because it's a learned behavior, something that you've learned, and it's sitting right back there in the back of your brain, and it just shows up, right? Um, we all have that. Nobody's family is perfect. I want you to know that. Um, nobody has the perfect family. We all have a little bit of dysfunction, uh, some of us more than others, right? But these patterns that develop, um, and each member um, responds in a predictable way, right? And so we all know that. So I want to talk to you about Josiah now. So you understand dysfunctional families, okay, a little bit, my uh, Cliff's Note version. You understand that family systems theory happens, right? So we're, we're going we're gonna to do this. And the Bible talks about um, the sins of the father go on for generation, right? And that really is the Bible describing family systems theory, right? This is what happens because somebody has to rise up and be like that other person. So Josiah... He becomes king. How, how old was he? Do you remember that in scripture? He was eight years old. I want you to think about that. Do you know any eight-year-olds? Okay. My son Joshua is seven. So he was eight years old when he became king. And Josiah's great-grandfather is someone that you guys probably know and heard of in the Bible is Hezekiah. You guys, have you heard of Hezekiah before? He was one of the righteous kings. Um, we know a lot about Hezekiah. He served God with a pure heart. Um, 
He was a great engineer. He brought water to the city of uh, Jerusalem. He made the city stronger and more prepared for war. Um, so, and Hezekiah was healed uh, by an honest prayer to God. And he was healed and saved. Now that's Josiah's great grandfather. Now, in the scripture, who does it say that Josiah's father is? David? But David's not his direct father. David is in his family line. But Josiah's dad was Amon. And you learn about Amon a little bit in the scripture, not too much about him. But Amon was, um, was not a good guy. He was an evil person. He was an evil ruler. Um, he did not honor God. He led people away from God. He closed temples and things like that. Um, the whole nation was suffering because of things that he had done. And it led, actually, um, his idolatrous practices led to his assassination. And so he dies, and um, Josiah becomes king. But even before Amon, who was Amon's dad? Well, it wasn't Hezekiah, right? Amon's dad um, was the same kind of troublemaker. His great-grand, or I'm sorry, his grandfather, um, after Hezekiah did all these amazing things, okay, his son decided to reinstate um, practicing in the temples the, the belief of multiple gods. And he was evil, and he turned away from God, and he did um, these terrible things and went directly against his father's wishes. So we have Josiah, we have Amon, we have, um, oh my gosh, the name escapes me, um, Amon's dad. Okay, I'm going to say that because the name escapes me. And then we have Hezekiah, right? So Josiah shows up. He's eight years old. He has sort of this history. His father, his grandfather, not so good. Not good leaders. And at eight years old, he becomes in charge of the nation. And what is he going to do? And so what does the scripture tell us that he does? He turns to God. And he changes things. And Josiah shows us, um, first of all, that you don't have to follow in your father's footsteps, right? You don't have to make these same mistakes over and over and over again. But Josiah also shows us the great influence that a young man can have. Because he was young when he said, you know what? This isn't right. What my dad did, what my grandpa did, I'm going to go back to what my great-grandfather was like. Because what they were doing is not right. These things are not okay. And so Josiah shows us that even young people, I mean, just be shocked by this, can look at a system and say, this is not right. These things are dysfunctional. We need to be different. We need to follow God. And what had happened is he had um, gone to the temple and he heard some, some scripture and he was changed by God. And he brought the people back to follow the one true God. And he got rid of all these, you know, pagan practices and, you know, multi-god practices and things like that and brought them back to follow the God of Abraham, right? So Josiah shows us that children can do this. They can look at a system and say, this is not right. We've got to do something different. Second, um, it's super important to understand this about Josiah. He lived a life fully committed to God. 
It wasn't just, you know, something that he did sometimes. He lived a life and felt like it was his call in life to make this better. Super important for us to understand that. He was obedient to God, and because he was obedient to God, because he lived a life for God, um, the scripture shows us how he was blessed by that, right? Third, um, Josiah, even as a young person, responded to scripture. He looked at the scripture and he said, you know what, this is the way that we should be. This is what we should follow. This is what we should do. And his heart was changed. And so this young kid who was king of this great nation turned away from these old ways and things that they had been doing. You know, in our families, in our lives, um, a lot of times we don't realize the junk that we bring with us, right? Like we don't understand that, do we? We don't get that there are things in our families and things in our lives that sort of cause us dysfunction. And I was thinking about this this week. Um, in our family and, and with Jeremy and I, um, I don't mind clutter. Clutter does not bother me at all, like literal clutter. Anybody else? Does clutter, are you with me if clutter doesn't bother you? Are you one of those that clutter bothers you? I know, Rachel. Um, are you one of those that clutter, if you are, raise your hand and own it so I know who you are. Okay, don't go in my office, that's all I gotta say. Because I got piles and piles, but I know where everything is. And so Jeremy just recently, God love him, because he doesn't like clutter. I don't know if you know this about my husband. Um, he's sort of the opposite of that. He needs things neat and in order and, right? Right, okay. I'm just like, eh, well, it doesn't bother, we'll get to it. Um, so understanding which one you are in your family. And so Jeremy decided to take on the task just recently to organize my life. How, what do you think? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We're still married. We're good. Um, he cleaned out drawers. He rearranged my part of the closet. Um, he did all of these, like, amazing things that made me super angry. I don't like him touching my clutter because I know where it is, right? But then I sort of realized, huh, now I know where things are. And now I know things that I needed to save and things that I needed to get rid of. He didn't throw anything away. He just organized it, right? I mean, who needs uh, 12 bottles of the same uh, toenail polish? The same color. Anybody? Nope. I mean, that's, that's obviously not what I, you do, Rachel. That's obviously not me in my house, but oh my gosh. Um, so, I mean, he's a good husband, right? You think you should keep him around. So it reminded me of, you know, these things in our life. And we talked about this last week, too. Sometimes we just need to, to, to get it all out and, 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 and to say it and to talk to somebody about, you know, all these things that are going on in our life. Because a lot of times we don't realize the effect that this clutter of the dysfunction in our family has on us. And we need to like lay it out and organize it and say, you know what? I don't have to do these things. I don't have to follow in the footsteps of um, my family. I don't have to, to be in this dysfunctional system, right? I don't have to be like that. I mean, the Bible is full of stories of people who looked at their families and went, oh gosh, now what do I do, right? And they turned and they changed and they were different. You don't have to live a life defined by your family, okay? Especially if it's dysfunctional. 
You don't have to follow in those footsteps. You don't have to allow people to treat you badly. You don't have to do those things. And sometimes we don't even realize that we're doing it. And we either lay it out or lay it all down like we were singing. Lay it out and say, you know what? I'm going to keep this and this and this. But these things over here, we're going to get rid of. We're not going to repeat these old cycles. I wish I could say that, um, you know, when you become a Christian that your family becomes perfect. But that's not true. You still have to work at things, right? And a lot of times when we want other people to change, the biggest person that needs to change is, right? What's that saying? When you point finger at somebody, you got fingers pointing back at yourself, right? We need um, to also understand that people that we know in this congregation, in this community, in our families, some of them have these dysfunctional families that they're dealing with on a daily basis, and it causes them stress, and it causes them anxiety, and it's bad for their health, it's bad for their lives, their mental health, their emotional health, their spiritual health, their physical health, all of these things. And our job is not to judge them. As easy as it would be, right, our job is not to judge them. Now, if you're a person who's a part of a dysfunctional family, I'm so sorry. I am so sorry. I'm sorry that you had to deal with this. I'm sorry that you're in the midst of this. You know, I, I pray for you to be that, for, for you to be able to find a way out, to find better ways. Um, it's not right that you have to deal with this, and I'm sorry if you are a part of a dysfunctional family. But I want you to have hope that it doesn't have to define you. That it doesn't have to be, um, you don't have to follow in, in the footsteps of the dysfunction. You can stop and say, no, I want my life to be better. I want my family to be better. And the best way to do that is to lay it out and say, here are the things that I don't like. Here are the things that I do like. And look at this Josiah. I, I want to go back to this for just a second. This eight-year-old kid, this eight-year-old kid was able to look at his family and say, you know what? What they're doing is not right. And I want to be different. And he changed the course of a nation because of it. Now, how amazing is that? If Josiah can do that, you can do that, right? You can change the course of, of your family, and there is hope in that. Now, I know that a lot of us always want to say that that dysfunction lives over there, is in somebody else's family, and a lot of times it's in our own. And we have to be able to look at those things and realize how we're part of that system. But also realize that it's not easy to step outside of dysfunctional families. For Josiah, it was a little bit easier because his dad and his grandfather were dead, right? It was a little bit easier that way. But it's always uh, difficult when you change the course of your family away from dysfunction into following God and doing those things. So I want you to have hope in this, that whatever kind of mess that you have, whatever kind of clutter in your family, whatever kind of dysfunction that you have, 
no matter if it's the good family systems theory or the dysfunctional family systems theory that you follow, whatever it is, right, God loves you and surrounds you and will give you help along the way. So if you're one of those people today, come talk to me after church. I feel on my heart that there um, are people in our congregation who need this kind of help, but they just don't know what to do about it. So come talk to me. Um, I'm here for you. And just take strength from this eight-year-old kid who changed the course of a whole nation, right? If he can do it, we can do it. Will you guys pray with me? Good and gracious God, we thank you so much for all that you have given us this day. Help us, Lord, to just deal with our own dysfunction and the things that we struggle with in our lives and help us to follow you and help us to recognize our role in this and our part in it. Um, we ask these things uh, for we know that you are with us and that you can help us out of all things. In your awesome name we pray. Spoke a word, you were singing, Lord.
enjoying this week's message? Please consider giving to our ministry and helping us continue the work of Jesus Christ by making a contribution. Go to esmethodist.com on your computer or smartphone and click on the Giving and Service tab.
this day. Have a wonderful, fabulous, awesome, very good day. for listening to this week's podcast of the spring tune in every sunday evening for the next rejuvenating podcast of music and messages from the first united methodist church of excelsior springs god bless you and have a great week